It's Monday, November 9th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. On Saturday, Joe Biden was declared the winner of the 2020 presidential election. Unfortunately for Mitch McConnell, he has to wait for Trump to concede before vowing to make Biden a one-term president. Yesterday, the United States logged its 10 millionth coronavirus case, making these the only numbers Donald Trump has led in all week. On the bright side, Pfizer announced that early data shows that its COVID-19 vaccine is over 90% effective. Ironically, had Trump been 10% effective against coronavirus, maybe we wouldn't all have been partying in the streets on Saturday. Trump is allegedly binging on fast food as he continues to deny that he lost the 2020 election. Ice cream is my favorite binge food after a bad breakup, but hey, to each his own. Melania Trump is reportedly urging her husband to consider conceding the election. Let's hope that this is the one mail order that comes through on time these days. This morning, the 73-day president fired his defense secretary, Mark Esper, which proves that right now there is literally no defense for Donald Trump. Ivanka Trump is reportedly considering TV reality TV show offers as her next career move. That is, of course, as long as New York State doesn't cast her in next season's Locked Up on MSNBC. On Friday, confusion within the Trump campaign caused a Rudy Giuliani voter fraud briefing that was supposed to be held outside of a Philadelphia Four Seasons hotel to instead be held 15 minutes outside of Philadelphia at Four Seasons Total Landscaping, right next to a sex shop, showing all of us that yes, there was a fraud in our election, but he lost by 5 million votes. After Friday's embarrassing confusion, Rudy Giuliani was hoping to hold a press conference today with the real Four Seasons, but it turns out Jersey Boys is closed until at least next summer. Miley Cyrus's party in the USA and NSYNC's Bye 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 shot up the streaming charts following the announcement of Biden's win. Thankfully, no one was playing Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall since there won't be one. For the win, the question is, What is a life well lived? And the answer, Alex Trebek. Rest in peace, Alex. And now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily cast and crew roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Aiello, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Hollywood family and our friend Paul Levinson that's going to be joining us today. Hi, Paul. Thank you for joining us as always. Paul is a noted author, podcast host, and professor of media studies at Fordham University. Let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to us on our TMI Daily podcast. Paul, let's start with you. Well, hello. (laughs) Peter. Well, Paul already said it, so hello. (laughs) Elizabeth. Congratulations to America's greatest Irishman, Joe Biden. Woo, County Mayo represent. (laughs) (laughs) Joe? Hi, everyone listening on Google Podcasts, and uh, happy National Fried Chicken Sandwich Day. Chris? Uh, Joe, you took my intro. I was going to talk about Fried Chicken Day. Anyway, happy Monday, everybody. 
<laughs> you know what, Chris? You know what, Chris? I think that we both can agree, though, that a really great fried chicken sandwich is the hot chicken sandwich from Popeye. Oh, no. It really is. <laughs> Popeye's, Popeye's got it. Hey, listen, Popeye's, if you want to endorse well, blackface right here, I'll do it for you. I hear you. I don't care about any stereotypes. I don't care about any kind of looking kind of way. Y'all, if the check is right, hook your boy so up. I'll eat all that chicken right here. <laughs> How come you're best, though, Box, though, if you like fried chicken so much? Okay, so let's get started with tonight's show. I wanted to start off by asking everyone how they felt when the media announced the win for Joe Biden. Paul, let's start with you. Well, I had two feelings, uh, not exactly at the same time. The, the first feeling was overwhelming relief and joy that we were finally breaking out of this nightmare. But the second feeling was a sense of dread and horror that so many people nonetheless voted for Trump. And th therefore, this victory has a, a really frightening undertone to it, which I hope we can talk about tonight. Mm -hmm. Okay, anybody else want to jump in? Uh, Chris. Uh, my feelings were kind of like Paul's as well. Like there was a, a, a immense amount of joy and then the dread. And part of that was, I, I'm like you, I was dreading the same things, but also it was just uh, because of the things that we have seen so far this year and uh, the violence that was permitted, I was worried about the reaction from uh, certain, from certain voters uh, because there already been, you know, close calls and there's already been like acts of, of really bad things going on. So I was just waiting for that other side to drop, but uh, um, it seems like that's not going to happen. So I'm feeling pretty good now. Okay, Elizabeth. Yeah, same. Like I, I not normally up super early on a Saturday, but I kind of was. <laughs> and uh, friends texted me first, and I was like, "What?" And I like, turned on the TV, and I just like kind of wouldn't let myself like accept it because I was too happy. And, uh, and like the relief took a very long time to kick in because I was very tempered by that same dread they're talking about. And like Chris said, I, everybody's dancing and having a good time in the street. And I was very tense the whole day about like, I hope it just stays that way. I want to see the people dancing to All I Want for Christmas is You, not something take a turn for the worse. And thankfully, so far it stayed that way. But um, I... I don't know. I hope it stays that way. I relieved it has so far. Ugh. Okay. Pete. And I, it was, it was kind of a surreal thing because it was a slow motion um, kind of realization of this because it's been coming since probably not Tuesday, obviously, but maybe late Wednesday uh, where it obviously started to seem like, like this was going to be the thing that was going to happen. But because again, with so much to do with Trump, there's always that feeling like something, something, you know, that we're not expecting could happen any second. Trump is like the, the, um, I used to, I used to, um, you know, go see films that Brian De Palma directed. Um, and back when he used to do mostly like suspense films, he always throws something in at the very end that kind of like, Oh, like that at you at the end of the movie. And well, Trump's turned into my Brian De Palma because, um, because the end of every one of, uh, you know, these stories where you think it cannot get any worse, Trump somehow or another 
pops his arm, arm up from under the ground like in Carrie and tries to pull you down into hell with him. Um, so by the time Saturday rolled around, you know, it was obvious that Biden was going to win. But um, to hear it said, it was funny because I literally turned on the TV and went straight to CNN. And as I was turning it on, they said, uh, we have a major race announcement. I'm like, OK, great. They're going to announce 11 more votes were in Georgia. And then they said <laughs> that, uh, that Biden won. And I immediately ran downstairs to tell Veronica, as she can recall. Um, and it was just like it was just like this feeling like all of a sudden that like, I feel I felt kind of really proud. I felt like like as much as, yeah, there's 70 million, it's going to probably be 71 million people that did vote for Trump. And that's horrific in its own in its own way. But there was more good people. There was more good people that said, we just we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to put up with this anymore. And that and that made me feel like every time this country ever gets into a place that's really, really bad, there are good people that will try to write it. And, 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 I, and I think that really was was the end of this story, you know, that no matter how ugly things are and, and how bad things seem, the good always outweighs the bad in the United States. Mm-hmm. Joe? Um, I think when I got the alert on my phone in the morning, uh, I was lucky because I was talking to my sister who's on the East Coast, so I was up. Uh, my first thing was like, okay, which network? Because, you know, I, like, did Fox say this? Because then I, I'm starting to believe it. Uh, and then, you know, I started to see all the the videos of people going, uh, uh, you know, uh, celebrating and things like that. And yeah, while I'm, uh, why I am disturbed that it was so close and that half of America was against this, um, I, I think, I, I think it says something about the kind of job you did when people are dancing in the streets when you get fired. Uh, I, let, let's, let's, all of us here, let's make sure that we never get to that place. <laughs> um, other than that, you know, I just, there's a, there's a sense, for me, it's a sense of, of like, it was a happiness, but like more of like a nice warm kind of joy, more of a, I think now we can at least try and start to heal a little bit. Um, and uh, can we, I don't know, but I would like to think that we can, I, um, I'm, I'm reaching out my, my hand in peace to say, Hey, let's try and work this out, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I want to add something too. So, um, I agree with everything you guys have said. I had the same emotions. Um, Peter and I have been very good about not leaving our house since March. We have not been around people. We've just been very, very careful. So, on Saturday, we decided to get in the car and we said, okay, let's go and see where there's some celebrations happening. And if we feel safe enough to go out and celebrate, we're going to do it. And that's exactly what we did. We went to downtown LA and then we went to West Hollywood. And I can honestly say that we felt completely safe. There wasn't one person that was unmasked. But one of like something else that I want to say is when we were in downtown, there were a lot of police officers there and I went up to a police officer and I thanked him. I said, thank you so much for keeping us safe. He turned around and he just said, democracy, it's a beautiful thing. And when he said that, it just got me. It choked me up because it's not us versus them. You know, I saw people celebrating. I saw people with their children holding flags, which ironically a week before that last weekend, we actually had to see a Trump parade down the street from our house and the people were so different. There was so much anger there. There was screaming. There were just very angry, divisive people there. So 
we were very happy that we were able to safely um, celebrate, you know, with, with the people on the streets. And like, you know, we didn't go to the pockets where there were like people all, you know, scratched up together, but we maintained our distance, but it felt really good. It felt really wonderful. Pete. You know, it's, it's actually, when you think about it, you know, something Joe just said a, a few seconds ago mm-hmm. is, is one of the things that I feel like we can kind of stop doing in a sense. It wasn't close. I, I mean, and, and, and when anybody wants to say that, that, that 70, 71 million is close to 76 million or probably by the end of this 78 million, once they finish counting New York and California, 8 million people is not close. When, when, you, when you start multiplying it out to the rest of the country that didn't vote, you're probably talking about more than, more than, than, than half the country, way more than half the country that did not want this. And, 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 and it just, and it kind of gives you another sense of, well, maybe this isn't such a terrible country after all. I, you know, I, I mean, I think that over the last few years, especially if you've been on our side of this, you look at a lot of the country and you say to yourself, the, you know, how these people aren't human, they're monsters. Why would they think this was a good idea? And then, you know, on Saturday, it was the first time I saw an American flag being held by somebody and I didn't immediately think of Trump. And I immediately start demonizing the flag that's, that's been our flag for as long as I've been alive. And obviously for 200 years prior to that, you know, it was just, it was really nice to actually not put negative connotations to the people, to the things and to, to the way we've all felt for so long. And I mean, that to me was the most important part about this. The governing is another thing. We'll see how that works out, but, but the country is back to being to being something that we can be proud of. I mean, I, you know, yeah, we got a few more months to kind of deal with this, but we're in a definitely a different place than we were eight days ago. Yeah. Paul, did you want to say something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have to say I, this doesn't feel comfortable to me because I'm usually always the optimist, especially like in academic circles and people always saying to me, I'm naive, you know, you don't get the seriousness of the situation. I sometimes have to say to people, well, you know what? I've considered the pessimism and I've got beyond it. Don't assume that, that an optimist is being naive. So I don't think any, anyone here who's optimistic is naive. But I do think, unfortunately, it is more serious than what Peter was just saying for, for a bunch of reasons. We saw in 2016 that Trump basically lost the popular vote then also. Okay, by three million, maybe not by seven or eight million. But, but, but the peculiar anachronism of our electoral college got him in office. I think the Democrats learned enough. They campaigned enough in the right states that that didn't happen again. But I don't think we should derive all that much comfort from just the sheer popular vote. The truth of the matter is, even if Biden winds up with 305 electoral votes, which is exactly what Trump did, it's not in any way a landslide victory over Trump. That's one reason. The other reason, though, is I keep hearing these demographic reports, for example, that the majority of white Americans voted for Trump, that among those white Americans, a majority were white men. So last time I checked, I'm a white man. And that bothers me because, you know, Trump is so much of an anathema to me and everything I believe in and think about and the same with my family and the same with my close friends, uh, I, uh, I just still have trouble understanding 
why any human being, frankly, could vote for him. And, and you know, this is also part of this, this sort of faux, almost courtesy that, you know, Democrats are supposed to have to Republicans and vice versa. To tell you the truth, I can't buy into that anymore. I used to, but before that was before Trump. Uh, just today, for example, Mitch McConnell got up in the Senate and gave a big speech about how the election really hasn't been settled yet. And, you know, we have to count all the votes. But obviously, we have to count all the votes, but obviously the election is settled. And the fact that the, that the Senate majority leader, who's not necessarily someone who had to be an ally of Trump, can stand up on the Senate floor and say that, I think that shows the depth of the danger that the United States is still in. And so on the one hand, yeah, I have an enormous amount of joy. I've been checking the back of my neck to see if that line where the sword was against it for the last four years you know, made much of a crease. It seems to be receding a little bit. I'm glad about that. But I, uh, I'm like sleeping metaphorically with one eye open because it's not even Trump anymore. He's finished. But I, I don't put anything past these Republicans. And I think that's the country we're living in. Don't worry, though, because uh, even we've replaced Mitch McConnell. Us liberals have replaced Mitch McConnell with a clone. Um, <laughs> the clone wasn't quite finished yet. The hands weren't finished yet, but we had to put them out there. So uh, so don't worry about it. I mean, that's part of the whole conspiracy. <laughs> Elizabeth. No, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I agree with a lot of with everything that Paul said, because the number that got me was 55% of white women voted for Trump. That number went up from 2016. What on earth was better from then to now that made you say, yeah, let's double down on this. Let's, let's get in on this game. It's absolutely terrifying. And like, I just, I just don't get it. (laughs) I, 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 uh, I can't wrap my head around it. And, uh, yeah, the other thing that's set me on edge now is, like, in the past few hours is whatever Barr is trying to pull um, with the, I don't, with yeah, his that's, investigation. That's not, I, he's basically, he hedged his bets. He said, if you, to investigate anything that, that they, they can honestly take seriously as far as, as far as, um, uh, you know, any kind of irregularities with the election. So he's basically saying, go out there and pretend you're doing something. And when you don't find anything, I can at least say I tried. Yeah, I hope so. I, I I really hope so. But uh, you know, it's the it's the, the white women voting for Trump thing just got me because it's and then someone uh, somewhere on tw- my Twitter pointed this out. I totally lost who they were in the shuffle, but they were like all that allyship we saw, all the like, oh, I'm out for Black Lives Matter and I'm out for equality, was very performative on a lot of people's parts. And I said that from the beginning. I told you there were secret Trump voters this whole show. <laughs> and you guys didn't believe me. And they showed up and showed out again. <laughs> so I want to keep this a little bit more conversational, although I still have some questions um, that I want to throw out there to you guys. But um, I have a question for you, Paul, about the way you think the media has been handling this past week. Any thoughts or any insight that you can give us is. This is your expertise. Yeah. Actually, I do have a couple of thoughts. Number one, I think it's interesting that Fox News, by and large, reported the facts. And that's something I think to celebrate. It shows that when push comes to shove, Fox News 
doesn't consider themselves 100 percent, you know, Trump television, that that they do have a, a certain fidelity to the truth. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people don't realize this. The the parts of the network coverage that keep the tally of the votes and call the elections in the states, they're not actually under the control of the same part of Fox News that controls the the basically Hannity and every other person you see yapping, you know, on that uh, station. So they were actually calling things to the point where I don't even know if MSNBC and CNN at this moment have called Arizona for Biden. No. Yeah. Right, but basically Fox News, and I think AP called Arizona. Yeah, just those two. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, you know, that's one thing that really impressed me. I'm mm-hmm. all in favor of giving credit where credit is due. Uh, the, the other thing is I, I thought all the networks did a very, very good job of just bringing in this wide assortment of people, uh, you know, obviously ranging from Mary Trump, you know, member of the Trump family, to Harry Reid, you know, who's from Nevada. I mean, this is television, I thought, at its best. You know, the, the, it has an enormous reach. And after all said and done, what television was in the 1950s, where, hey, I, I can turn on my television and see Edward R. Murrow in New York interviewing some dude in California. Well, well that same magic is still there. And uh, I, I was impressed with that part of the media coverage as well. Hey, Paul, um, do you think the uh, uh, Fox kind of going that way is because we know that they're going to say right. Um, is because a lot of the and let's not talk about Mitch McConnell when he did, but it seems that the majority of the Republican Party is now trying to distance themselves from Trump. Do you think that that was part of what they're doing too? That they're, I mean, even though we know they're going to stay right. Yeah, look, I think the fact of the matter is Rupert Murdoch, although he obviously allowed the support of Trump, he, he himself was never someone who loved Trump. In fact, I, I don't know if anyone remembers this. In the very early days of the Hillary Clinton Trump campaign, Rupert Murdoch was making some noise that maybe Fox should be more even-handed towards Hillary. That's because he thought Hillary 100% was going to win. He thought Trump was a joke at that point. And I think that's the key with Murdoch and the ultimate power in Fox News. They, they, they want to be important. They want to be relevant. They're not like Rush Limbaugh willing to go down with a sinking Trump ship. And in that sense, the Democrats chose very wisely when they chose Biden, because he, you know, in addition to his many assets, he's the least revolutionary of, of all the Democrats. And so if, if Fox News could in any way give equal time to and slightly support a Democratic candidate, it would have been Joe Biden. So I, I think that was a very good decision on the part of the Democrats. Pete? I, I think sometimes, though, um, the election makes you think that Fox News is, is going to be some kind of all of a sudden changed network. But but I don't know if people realize it really is only one guy that made that made the decision to, to call Arizona. The guy's name is Arnon Mitch Milchin um, and Milken. And he he actually was the same guy who did it in, in 2012, which caused Carl Rove to almost have a stroke on the air when he called Ohio for uh, for um, Obama. And, uh, and, and, and he literally went down to their decision desk and started yelling at him on the air. 
um, because that was essentially the state that put Obama over the top in 2012. Fox News isn't going to get any better. I mean, Fox News, all they're going to do right now is have is have competition from further on the right because Trump is going to end up, you know, either jumping onto Newsmax with his friend Christopher Ruddy, who who owns that, or maybe jumping into OAN and taking over that. That either way, it'll fail because. He, he doesn't have the stamina to stick to any one thing. It'll be it'll be the new Trump um, Trump Trump Airlines or Trump Stake or Trump University. But yeah, I mean Fox News is going to be Fox News because they have a, they have an audience that nobody else has, and why would they mess with that? I just want to say, 2012. It was also Megyn Kelly who got up in her high heels and strode down the hall yeah. with cameras in back of her demanding to see how on earth could Fox call this show? Yeah, it was the same guy though for both, yeah, for both elections. That's right. But it was much more fun seeing Megyn Kelly, you know, yeah. walk down the hall than whoever it was that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, so there was so much talk. So there was so much talk about a blue wave election where the Democrats were going to wipe out the Republican Senate majority and pick up more seats in Congress. Why did so many people get this wrong? Well, that, obviously, this is a thing that a lot of people don't realize. Polling and statistics and surveying that polling is based upon is a very unstable kind of mathematical process. And here's what I mean by that. If you are measuring, say, you want to know what the average height is of a Fordham University student, uh, all you need to do is randomly select as, as few as 30 different students. Make sure you randomly select those students. You measure their height and you'll get an accurate number. If you want to know what the average opinion is of a Fordham University student, even if you try to randomly select it, you run into all kinds of problems. People might lie. They might shade their opinions. They might change their opinions between the time that they give their opinions and the time that they vote. So the problem is we all have this like sort of, you know, metaphor in our heads. You know, we know this is a scientific, you know, randomly selected sample. All that is true. But the problem is what it's sampling in terms of who are you going to vote for? And for that matter, even who did you vote for? You walk out of the poll, who'd you vote for? You might lie. It is not the same as any other kind of statistical measurement where what you're taking account of is a physical, natural phenomenon that's not changing. What that in turn does is over and over and over again, the pollsters get it wrong. And they did that in 2016. They did it in 2020. And it's almost to the point where we have to pay not that much attention to the polls. Okay. But we, um, we can pay attention to the Czechs, though, and the people who live in Yugoslavia. No, I'm sorry. I was just... <laughs> Pete? Well, let me ask you this, though. Um, it seems like the polls were pretty good in 2018. Is it possible that they just don't know how to poll Trump? I mean, because clearly they got it wrong in 2016. They got it wrong in 2020, 2018. They were actually pretty accurate for the most part. Is it just that the, that the people that vote for Trump are not are an anomaly because they're not really normal voters and they're not, you know, they're not the kind of people you can poll the right way because you just can't get to them. Um, you know, I mean, I'm only asking because we just, you know, we just finally got around to watching The Social Dilemma, the movie last night. And it feels to me like if, if anybody had, had um, used 
Facebook to poll, they probably would have gotten a more accurate accounting of who was voting for Trump because that's where you're going to find his people. You're not going to find them on phones. You're going to find them on social media. Well, you might be right. The problem is if it's not one thing, history has shown it's always something else, one thing or another when it comes to polling. Uh, Up until recently, the most famous mistake in polling took took place back in the 1930s. At least then it was a much newer science. There was a a magazine called Literary Digest, and they did a poll in 1936 of the election between Franklin Delano Roosevelt and some Republican guy, maybe I think Alf Landon. And the poll showed Landon winning by almost a landslide. And obviously, Democrats were very upset. And obviously, in retrospect, the poll got it completely wrong. FDR won in 1936 by a landslide. So what happened? Well, it turned out that what Literary Digest did, the way they polled people in 1936, is they called people up in their homes on their phones. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but although the phone was invented in 1876 by Alexander Graham Bell, it wasn't until the 1950s that a majority of Americans had telephones in their homes, in their apartments. I remember when I was a kid, we moved into a new building and there was a phone in the lobby of the building. I asked my parents, why is there a phone there? And my father said, some people don't have phones in, in their apartments. And that struck me as odd. Back in 1936, almost no one had phones in their apartments. The only people who did were very, very rich people. So those were the people that the Literary Digest poll contacted. That's why they got it so wrong. So Peter's point is, is well taken, it, it, but it all amounts to the same thing. When you're, when you're measuring people's opinions, uh, it, it is not at all the same thing as measuring some kind of physical trait or, or attribute, which is the way that statistics and polling first arose back in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Trump is still refusing to concede and by all reports will likely be holding rallies in order to bring his case to his supporters since it's, since it's unlikely to win in the courts. If Trump continues doing this, who will be hurt most by this, Biden or Trump and also Democrats or Republicans, or will it have no effect at all? What are your thoughts on that? Anybody want to jump in? Joe? Uh, it, it obviously over time hurts Biden. Uh, the more of the Trump supporters that believe that this whole thing was stolen and it's a conspiracy and things like that. And the more that's, that's just going to like simmer in there, you know, and, 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 and go. And, and why would you want to be cooperative with that government? You know what I'm saying? Why would you want to, why would you want to do that? And so, um, it's, it's disappointing because as we know just from the past week, that most of all the court cases were thrown out uh, or were just, they, they didn't go anywhere. Uh, and there is no actual evidence. No one, no one's provided any evidence yet. So uh, it's, uh, you know, rumor and innuendo and stuff like that. But if, Hey, that's all you need nowadays. And I think that that's going to be a big problem. Okay. Elizabeth. Yeah, de- definitely over time, it'll, make things much harder for Biden. I did see someone make an interesting point that it might also affect Republican voter turnout because if they don't believe in the system, why would they vote in the first place? And so that might actually hurt them in the long run. Um, Maybe not right away, but over time. Um, 
certainly by maybe 2022 when the next, um, you know, midterm elections are, but it's definitely, you know, but I mean, it's not like Trump will win over any additional people. I don't think at this point he's got who he's got and that's, that's all he's going to get. Yeah. That's half Um, of America. But that's unfortunately, yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, that's half of America. Yeah. Or, yeah, well, that's what, that's I, well I just said, have a map. Oh, go, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. That's what they said in 2016, though. Trump yeah. got everyone he was going to get. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. And that, well, that white woman number went up, didn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that, you know, um, Trump did all the damage he was going to do to Biden on Tuesday night when he came out at 3 a.m. and said that he won the election. I, I mean, there, was, there wasn't going to be anything he was going to do beyond that that was going to affect what was going to happen to Biden because the minute Trump said that, all the people that were in the tank for Trump were just going to believe it. So at this point, really, Elizabeth hit it right on the head. It, 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 the people that could potentially hurt the most are the Republicans for one reason. There's a runoff election in, in, in a month and a half. And if Trump, number one, doesn't want to help the Republicans, which he probably won't, and he might, and I would think also if he loses in Georgia, he might feel a little burnt and not want to be helping in, in any elections in Georgia. Um, but number two, it might, it might depress the turnout on the Republican side for the runoff because he's not on the ballot. And, and, and I think that, you know, anything, I mean, look, his legacy was, was cemented a long time ago. This is just kind of the icing on the top of the cake for him. So it's not really going to hurt him any worse than it already did people. I mean, he's already, by the time they start ranking him in, in the, in the, in, in the numbers with the presidents, which usually they say they don't do for like 10 years, really, uh, when people have time to look back on it, he's going to be ranked near the bottom, if not the bottom either way. But, but I, I mean, I think that, you know, like I said, it was probably a good thing he did what he did right away because now at least Biden can kind of work up from what he did because anything he does from this point on now, it's, it's, it's not even being reported the same way. It's kind of like what I said last week. It's, this is where now in Gran Turismo, uh, the old man, get off my, get off my lawn moments with Trump. I mean, that's, and that's how people are treating it. And the only people that are buying into it are the people that were going to buy into it from Tuesday till whenever. Gran Turismo. Did you mean Gran Turismo? Gran Torino. 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 Gran Torino. I'm sorry. Like a PS4 game? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of PS4. Gran Torino. Sorry. I got the quote right, though. I just, I just want to ask something, too, about him doing these rallies. If I, I didn't think it was possible for me to love Seth Rogen more, but I don't know if you saw his tweet about this. He said, and because Paul is here, and I'm not going to use um, the language that he used, but he basically said, um, so this guy's going to be touring the country with the presidential um, equivalent of a cover band. I thought it was so funny when he wrote that. So um, I just hey, wanted to throw that out there. Can I just, can I just say something? Why can't you use that language in front of me? I, I oh, like I it. I a lot of stuff for you, Paul. Okay, so he said the motherfucker is going to be touring the country. <laughs> That's much better. He works in media. You gotta get the quote correct. You, have to, you can't edit. You can't edit. By taking that language out, deprive the quote of. I'm just a very respectful person. You never but it was a very funny tweet. tweet. <laughs> look, I, I just want to say, look, here's a here's sobering thought. Every other president that I. Re- recall I recall a lot of presidents when they were leaving office it wasn't that much of a big deal or any kind of suspense about what they're going to do but think about the fact no one knows what the hell Trump is going to do when he leaves office that that's I guess in one way exciting 
but also part of the problem. And you know, and I've heard things from oh, well, you know, I think Mike. Michael Brown, uh, his former attorney, said he's just going to slink off to Mar-a-Lago. You're never going to see him again. To, you know, these rallies, he could continue those rallies even after January 20th. And I heard at some point that what he was going to do at the rallies, he may have pulled back on this, is read off the names of all the Trump supporters who attended the rallies who died of COVID. Now, I don't know if that's not fascistic. I don't know what is. The sort of cult of the dead, you know, supporting Trump. I mean, it's for me, it's like sickening and frightening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't he technically be responsible for a lot of those COVID deaths? Yeah. If you think about it? Exactly. That's pretty messed up. If you think about it, sure. <laughs> if you put any thought uh, in it, yeah. You're expecting, you're expecting them to think. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying, I, I just January twentieth is my birthday. It's uh, last the last inauguration birthday was not great. The vibe was off, as the kids say. <laughs> really, would really like the vibe to be good on this inauguration birthday because I'm not kidding you. I had a cancer birthday this year, and it was more fun than the inauguration <laughs> birthday three years ago. So I'm believe, just saying. I believe you. Look, my wife and I always say. We grew up, uh, you know, in the 1960s. We remember all too well when Nixon was elected in 1968. That was a horrible year. Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated. Martin Luther King was assassinated. There was like nothing good about that year. And it capped off with Nixon getting elected. And he was a terrible president. He eventually had to resign. But I have to tell you, I mean, Trump makes Nixon look like an angel. And uh, again, when Nixon left office, there was no doubt that he was no longer a threat. I mean, he, he like practically limped up that plane. Everybody knew, OK, when when Gerald Ford said our national nightmare is over, we believed him. Uh, I don't believe that the nightmare is completely over. And, you know, the example that uh, uh, that Bento Box used, I'm sorry, what's your real name? <laughs> <laughs> Joe. Joe. Joe Joe Bento Bucks. That's like a good mob name. Hey, Joe Bento. Hey, I'm from Jersey, so yeah. Okay. The example that Joe Bento used, uh, you know, about like this arm, although maybe it was Peter who used it. Actually, it was, you know, like some kind of a horror movie where like at the end of the movie, an arm pops up out of the grave. Unfortunately, that does, you know, fit Trump pretty well. If If it's purple, it's Mitch McConnell's arm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what his problem is what does he have like some kind of blood flow problem I don't know if he's legally alive we know he doesn't have a heart part of it is pumping it through his body Yeah, I told told you he's the clone we made he just wasn't finished when we brought him out (laughs) like part of me wants to excuse is just like he's an older man and like old men get like bruises and shit my dad when he came out to visit me last year, like had a big bruise on his forearm. And my brother and I were like, do you care to explain that, sir? And he was like, no. So it's like kind of weird old man pride about like not (laughs) divulging what's going on. But I was like, going through a health crisis is like, sir, you kind of need to tell me what is going on with your arm because I need, if it's something happening to you, I should probably tell my doctor about it because it might be genetic and I'd just like to know ahead of time and he's like it's nothing and we were like why is he hiding it it is a weird old man pride thing I don't know (laughs) okay so this morning president-elect Joe Biden announced the members of his coronavirus advisory board 
that will be led by former Obama Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy. Did I say that right, Vivek? Yes. Yale University Associate Professor of Medicine and Epidemiology, Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith, and former George H.W. Bush FDA Chairman, Dr. David Kessler. Strangely, none of them are married to anyone related to Biden. Shocking. With the virus spiking at over 100,000 cases a day, should the Trump administration be working in tandem with Biden's team to organize a strategy before they take over in January? And more importantly, is there any chance that Trump will allow it? Let's start with you, Emma. Did we lose Paul? Yeah, I don't know where oh, Paul is. Like it. Go ahead. First of all, hey, I just snuck onto the podcast today. Um, I mean, should they? Of course they should. Come on. Like, of course they should be working to create a unified strategy. Will they? Absolutely not. Trump would never let someone. Like, that would lead to a win for Biden. He would never let that happen. But, uh, I mean, listen, do we care more about politics or do we care more about people's lives? Assuming it's people's lives, of course they should be creating a strategy. Mm -hmm. Chris? Uh, I kind of have an opposite opinion of that. I think that they will work together because here's the thing. Uh, they already are talking about a vaccine that they have out that's supposed to be like 90% effective. And so the closer they get to perfecting said vaccine is the sooner Trump can brag about it. So basically, if, it, if, if this vaccine is out and people are taking it before the inauguration, he still gets to say under my administration, I got, you know, I, I took care of Corona. So for all the people that voted against me, here's a slap in the face. But uh, if it doesn't, then I, you know, I guess he really can't claim that, but he probably will because his Twitter will still be active. Oh yeah. He's definitely going to try to claim it without a doubt. He's already, he's already tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pence was like, we got the vaccine. Everyone was like, shut up. You didn't even fund this vaccine. Yeah. They didn't even Pfizer one. That was the one that the government had nothing to do with. Yeah. (laughs) Don't matter. It's under his administration. It's the greatest right. administration ever, so it doesn't matter. It's yeah, putting, it's putting your name on the group. That's all they're going to see. Yeah. Putting your name on the group project. Even that's it, that's really it is. It's the jock in school putting his name on the group project. I did the cover like, sheet. But like, hey, Paul, Paul's back. Paul's back. <laughs> um, Pete, did you want to say something? Yeah, no, I, just, I just wanted to say that... Uh, hold on. Um, I just wanted to say that... Uh, you know, in a normal world, yeah, the the, um, the outgoing administration I, would be talking I'm with sorry. the incoming administration, especially over something like the virus. Um, but I mean, just like like uh, like what we said earlier, I don't think that Trump is going to allow his people to talk to um, Biden's people at all. And so, I, me personally, I think the way Biden handles this best, and I, and I think it's the way that gets under Trump's skin the best, is doing daily briefings. Let let Biden's people, not him, let the ones that he's now tasked with this with this um, with, with the responsibility, come out and do a briefing every day, and let them say, "Look, we're already talking to PPP makers. We're talking to the states. We've had conversations with the governors of these states, um, and this is what our plan is. That you know, we're hoping that the Trump administration will help us between now and, and election day. But if not, you know, right? I mean, not election day. I'm sorry, on inauguration day, but." Um, 
you know, if he's if they start putting pressure on Trump where they're getting more attention than him, he'll just have to do something. And, and what what can he do at this point? It's not like he could fight. Well, he might fire everybody on the task force of his own. But um, but I, I, I mean, I, and I don't think anybody would see, think it was wrong if, if Biden started putting his own people out there to do um, to do press conferences to talk about the virus. I mean, there's one hundred and twenty thousand cases a day. I mean, why would we not want somebody to say something to us about what's going on with this um emma uh i agree with what pete said i think that listen the president-elect already gets to say things and do press conferences why not about the thing that's killing at least a thousand people every single day and then uh to respond real fast to something that chris said um even in the best case scenario i don't think we're getting the vaccine before inauguration day like it's just not happening and Trump was so eager to take uh, take credit for Obama's economy and for all the stuff that Obama did that was good that uh, I don't think he can imagine that Biden wouldn't do the same. And in all fairness, if I were Biden, I would do the same. So, That's a like, good point. That's a fantastic point. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have another question for you, Paul. Um, so do you think, or let me rephrase that, how should the media handle Trump from this day till January 20th? Should they be covering him? I mean, everything that he does, should they stop covering him? And only if it's something that's, you know, very relevant to the country, they should cover. Should they just ignore, ignore him? What do you think? What, what do you, how do you think the media should be reacting to him now? Since he's not willing to concede and he's just throwing a tantrum and just being Trump. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I did notice that in the closing days of the campaign, that some media, at least MSNBC and CNN, were not covering Trump's rallies as much as they had been previously. So absolutely. I mean, look, logically, uh, whatever Trump says is much less important now than whatever Biden says, because whatever Biden says, you know, is going to be likely in some way to figure into what he does when he's president. Whereas Trump really can't do that much anymore now as president. Most things take time to happen. And one of the first things that Biden is going to do is try to undo a lot of the things that Trump did. You know, rejoining the uh, Paris uh, Accords, rekindling the Iranian peace deal, and all those other things. But what I would like to see the media do, which is cover less of Trump, is different than my predicting what the media will do. Because the fact of the matter is, the media, even the best media, are interested in only one thing, getting as many viewer eyes on them as possible so they can make as much money as they can from their advertisers. Money rules everything. That's why on MSNBC, you saw pro-Trump commercials right up until the end, even though editorially they're diametrically opposed to Trump. So what's going to happen is they'll stop covering some of the things that Trump does. And if they get any sense that viewers are turning elsewhere because they just want to, apropos again of Peter's analogy, are excited to see the end of this horrendous horror movie, that's, that's Trump and his presidency. If people want to see that, then the media will show them that. They're not going to exercise any other kind of moral overlay or judgment over that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joe? Uh, question for everyone, uh, but especially Paul. 
Um, while we probably publicly are seeing the uh, Trump the Trump side here trying to fight all of this, uh, what do you guys think is happening internally? Do you think internally that internally they know it's done? Do you think shredding has already started? Uh, uh, who do you think is like optimistic that they're still going to win, and who do you think really knows the reality of things? Well, that's always more easily answered in hindsight. It turned out that Werner von Braun, who built the Nazi rockets that practically won Germany the war over England at the very end of the war that was so effective, it turned out that whether he was a Nazi or not, he was a fundamentally rational person. And, and as soon as he saw the Nazi regime falling apart, he was quick to work out a deal where the Americans could take him in because he didn't want to be in the Soviet Union. And whenever a totalitarian dictatorship falls apart, you see that begins to happen. So the real question is, who in the Trumpian orbit is rational enough to see a path out of there for themselves? And who's going to just go down the sinking ship? People keep thinking that Pence is such a rational person. And we've been disappointed by him all the time, including today. He was up until a few hours ago. The last we heard of him is he came out uh, after Trump was babbling away, uh, you know, on Tuesday night and and basically said, "Okay, you know, we're just going to wait and see the votes counted. So everyone's saying, oh, he's such a reasonable person. And then he hasn't said anything since then. So a lot of people are thinking, "Okay, Pence is a reasonable person. But he came out today and again repeated the same nonsense, you know, about the, we're going to make sure there are no illegal votes and all that stuff. So, you know, on the one hand, I think there are some people in Trump's orbit who will pull away. Chris Christie has begun to do that. Rudolph Giuliani, I don't think he has enough, you know, unsyphilistic ravaged brain to, to do that. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but maybe. Some other, uh, <laughs> hey, this is the man who booked the Four Seasons Landscaping Company. He's a he's a treasure. Yeah, well, that made it now like being caught by the Borat movie, the second most embarrassing thing of the week. It's <laughs> well, pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if anybody heard that the um, other than, of course, Ben Carson um, having um, COVID now too. But the other guy that was with Giuliani, um, who's who's a noted um, conspiracy theorist, David Bossy, he just announced that he has COVID too. So Trump doesn't have anybody running his uh, his election uh, fraud case right now because everybody's got COVID. Um, but, uh, but Giuliani probably will have it at some point in the next 24 hours because they were literally all together. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, by the way, I thought that Borat movie was brilliant. Uh, and I, you, you probably saw uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's response to Trump's uh, attack on him on Twitter. Yeah, I, I loved it. He said, basically, uh, I'm always in the market, uh, you know, for somebody who, who can play, uh, you know, a totalitarian asshole or something like that. So you're going to be out of work pretty soon. You know, call me up. I'm sure we can work something out. So. Yeah, he rescinded that this week, though. He told them, oh, yeah. yeah, now yeah. that you're, you know, don't have a job, don't come come in to me for that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, Veronica, you're muted. <laughs> just kidding okay oh, i'm back um so before we let you go paul um one final thing that i want to um discuss with everybody on here predictions 
what do we have to look forward to these next two months? How is this all going to finally come to an end? And how are we going to be able to, you know, uh, swear in Joe Biden on the 20th of January? Final predictions. All right. I, I, um, first of all, again, because we're dealing with Trump, predictions are far more perilous than anybody else. But here's nonetheless what I think is going to happen. I think Trump's ravings, notwithstanding that he wants to hold these rallies and this and that, are going to subside, not get greater. I, I don't think even the people who support him have the, the, the stamina and the stomach to go out and, you know, do anything too crazy. There's a lot of concern right on the night of the election and the day after that Trump might wind up, you know, as we were talking about before, inciting people to, you know, violence and stuff like that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think actually Trump himself is going to go away with a whimper. I think Biden will be inaugurated. It's about a 50-50 chance that Trump will even be there. But the real threat, which, you know, I just have to keep saying, Trump tapped into this profound fascistic root in America, which was always there. He tapped into it. It came back even stronger in 2020. And my main concern, and I'm not the only person who said this, is there could be someone who's somewhat more erudite than Trump. I mean, that's pretty easy. Someone who, who doesn't mix his fascism in with buffoonery. You know, someone who tries to tell the truth a little more so everyone just doesn't, every time he opens his mouth, they have half a brain know that he's lying. And that person is the next danger that all of us are going to have to face. Okay. Um, Chris, you wanted to uh, say something. I was just, uh, I just wanted to say that I think that, um, uh, I think, yeah, we're probably going to see maybe a rally or two from Trump, him trying, especially during this like investigation phase of the ballots. He's definitely going to try to get a lot of that going. But I think like, uh, like, like John said before, like uh, his, some of his supporters are just going to, they're not going to have the, the stamina for it. They've already, fought this hard for him to, you know, to lose basically. And I think that they're even ready for a recharge because we've been having such a crazy year. I think everybody's going to need a chance to. And I think, I think we're all going to look forward to Joe's inauguration, both sides uh, as a day of rest for everybody. Cause like, it's been crazy mental journey from Jan, you know, from January until now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pete. I mean, I think that Trump's going to want to do rallies, but I think he's not going to recognize the most important thing about them at this point. He can't do them indoors in most of the places he'd want to do a rally. It's fucking cold now. Um, I mean, look at the rally. Uh, what was it? Was it Nebraska? Omaha. He, Omaha, he left yeah. all those people. He left, and I think he left all those people. No, yeah. imagine now it's ten or fifteen degrees colder, yeah. and it's everywhere. Um, and and you know now you've lost the election. People come out the first couple of times to see you, but when it's like thirty five degrees. They're not coming out to, to some some airstrip to, to to watch them speak. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe because I'm always I'm, I'm always shocked to see how many people show up for them. But, but there are crazy diehards. I mean, these are people yeah, no, who will sit in a deer blind for hours on be, end to shoot will a deer. So thousand people, you know, on on the airfield hour, or will it be de- will the numbers whittle down, and then all of a sudden he'll realize that it's not worth continuing to do this because a he's probably going to freeze his fat ass off. But <laughs> but b if there's less people showing up, is he even going to want to do it? You know, I mean, me personally, again, this is just coming from somebody who who just grew up around Trump in New York all those years. 
his, I think his whole his whole thing at this point is going to be to just go, go not not go quietly, but go away. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine he's planning on doing anything to actually to actually try and pretend to be president for two months because he hasn't been really doing it for four years. So I don't I don't see that. I don't see there being a passing of the torch to somebody else. I mean, I get what Paul's saying about somebody that's that's more refined coming along that could actually that could actually stir up the same emotions that Trump did and, and use the same and have the same rhetoric, but do it in a cleaner way so you don't see it coming. But the problem is, I think Trump was a confluence of so many things. I, th- I think the fact that Trump was a, was a quote unquote TV star, uh, you know, is what sold him to those people. And then when you add in the hate that they all wanted and the greed. It, it kind of all mixed together and made Trump. I, I cannot see like they're saying, well, you know, the people you have to probably look forward to seeing in four years are going to be like Tom Cotton from Arkansas or maybe Matt Gates from Florida um, or, you know, or on the other side of the spectrum, Nikki Haley. But none of them are going to turn people on the way Trump does. I mean, Trump just has this thing about him. And, and you know what? If I'm never going to give him a compliment for anything else, he does have the ability to, to, to really get people excited. Um, you know, the way he gets them excited is, is deplorable, but but he does have that. You know, but I just I, I, I just think that he's going to try and do something for a little while, realize it really is not going to do much of anything. And then he'll go disappear. He'll go he'll go back to, to Mar-a-Lago every weekend, maybe start doing three day weeks or four day weeks and, and be in Mar-a-Lago. And then eventually Christmas will come and he'll, he'll go there. Maybe he'll stay. Maybe he won't. Um, but I think that by the time by the time it really kind of sets in that there's nothing that's going to change about this, he's just going to start working on what the project is after this. Because remember, as soon as this is over, he's hit with a million different things. Whether it's the all the investigations, I mean, you've got you've got two criminal investigations in New York. You've got one one from the state, one from the city of New York. You've got. The um, you, you've also got the other investigations that are that are civil, like the 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 tax evasion one, which could end up costing them a hundred million dollars. You've got the uh, the sexual assault lawsuits too that are out there right now um, that that are going to move forward, and in fact, they're probably going to make him have to give them give give the uh, uh, give the court his semen or at least a blood sample for the E. Jean Carroll one um, case because she claims that she still has a dress from 1986 or whatever it was, you know that that. Trump may have fouled, which I don't understand why anyone would save. Um, but um, and my personal favorite, the Deutsche Deutsche yeah, Bank that, coming to break his kneecaps. Well, yeah. So he's yeah. I mean, like I said, he's probably getting phone calls from Germany from a, from an anonymous number in Germany looking for their money already. So he's got to do something else. I, I mean, to me, th- the quickest way for him to make money right now is to jump on one of these news networks and try and figure out, like, without taking it, without putting a dime in, taking a majority stakes of, like I said, either OAN or Newsmax or even The Blaze, one of those three, and saying, okay, this is now the Trump News Network or Trump News America or whatever stupid bullshit patriotic name you can come up with that'll get those people in. And he hopes at that point that, that, is, that that'll, you know, increase his, his viability. I mean, I heard somebody today say that since since Ross uh, since Rush Limbaugh is going to be dead in a few months, that maybe Trump would take over his radio show. And God, I hope that's the case because could you imagine Trump on the radio for three hours a day, unfiltered? It would it would be the most the most beautiful thing to ever have. To, I'd become the biggest fan of the show. But your brain would <laughs> melt; it would just fall out of your ears at some point. I mean, you just become like a, Rush Limbaugh now. Yeah, that's true. A stream of consciousness lunacy for three hours every day. Isn't that funny, also Joe Rogan? It, it, it'll it'll really screw with Alex Jones numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Emma and then Joe. <laughs> uh, you know, I agree with a lot of what Pete said there. Uh, there's there's a certain point at which I think he still wants the love of the rallies because all he's ever wanted, and this is going to sound too kind, but all he's ever wanted is to be loved. Uh, of course, he was willing to make people hate others to do it. So that sucks. But uh, he's going to try the rallies. He's going to try to keep that love going. But uh, yeah, it's literally freezing or below in many of the places where he would do it. Um, and I also think that when you once people do start to see some benefit from a Biden administration, whatever legislation it is, or if they can get anything through a Mitch McConnell Senate, but uh, like whatever he does that is good for people. As soon as things start getting better, uh, when people see their lives improving, they're going to be less angry. Not necessarily at Biden or at the Democrats, but they're going to be less angry overall. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, why go out and do all this shit? Um, I mean, the stock market went up today. Yeah, huge amount. That yeah. was yeah, the stock market has nothing to do with the real economy anymore. I know, but stock a lot of people are like, ah, economy. stock market. Stock and then they go home to their like shitty little houses. And like, they're... listen, my house is not exactly so nice either, but like, my heat doesn't work, you guys. It's so cold. Like, I think that there is still, uh, you feel it when, like, the stock market is going up, but, like, your wages are not. Right. Paul, go ahead. You wanted to say something? I was just going to say, I think Emma's house looks very nice here in the zoo. (laughs) Like, nice jackets in the back, some pictures. That is really kind of you. (laughs) So, um, I, I really I agree with with Paul on this. Um, I understand where, where Pete's coming from about how Trump is kind of a unique being, but I see it as Trump being the first experiment. It's he was like author, author, authoritarianism 1.0, and what's going to happen is they're going to take away everything that they learned from this and take away all of that good stuff, and then find somebody who's not necessarily a buffoon, who's not necessarily a clown. And roll with it again. And I think that they that they can learn from this, and that's where it's going to go. And that is really, really scary. I think that there was – I just saw an article about this. I think it was in the Atlantic or whatnot, which is basically kind of saying that same thing. You know, uh, the Trump thing uh, is an experiment in a way. And, it is a tri- and they kind of knew it. But then now they knew that they can tap that vein here in America where you'd have like what's happening in Turkey and, and, and other places like that. Um, and look, you, you've got half the people right now. If you can get somebody who's, who comes across as not being a buffoon and not being an idiot and, and yelling this stuff um, and yet still give them that thing, you're going to probably get more than half the people. I hate to say that. Um, I mean, the people that didn't want to go out and vote would. Um, and that's scary. But as for what's going on right now, I think you might see more Trump firing more people than just like what happened today. Oh, yeah. with, with that. Oh, yeah, he's gonna fire everybody. And then, and then, mm-hmm. but I would love to see if those people just because it's a lame duck thing now just start talking. They're not gonna wait until the the inauguration to just start talking about what's going on. And like I says, I'm pretty sure that there's shredding going on already. But there's gonna be a lot of shredding. There's gonna be a plenty of uh, if you guys need stuff for like. Christmas gifts for packing, go down to the White House. There'll be tons of uh, packing material <laughs> available. <to> <laughs> Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, does anyone know why they tore up the lawn today? Like, are they going to take the grass with them on their way out? What the hell? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> they already destroyed the Rose Garden, right? Like, mm-hmm. or tore it up or did whatever. Yeah. yeah they're, they're installing white grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think in the immediate, yeah, I think we're going to suddenly see a lot of book deals or a lot of interview deals as people keep getting fired and fired more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I do worry about the like investigations. I know Pete says it will be okay, but uh, will it? Is anything ever okay? Um, and so that, that all stresses me out. And then, yeah, the whole, you know, because Trump cracked that vein open of people you know, everybody has been in a situation where someone gives you the dog whistle of like, hey, you kind of agree with me on this like racist thing, right? And we're all rational and went, what? No, of course not. But it's that like, now they don't need to dog whistle anymore. They can just come out and say, I'm a racist piece of shit. And I want to, you know, have my way and, you know, stomp all over anyone because I feel like I'm being trampled on but you're not but I'm not like they're all too comfortable now with those views that they and because they've been backed by the leader of the country for four years and you know all these people that go with him uh and that's the problem is there's that's like the toothpaste is out of the tube on that one there's no putting you know people are saying oh we're gonna go back to normal it's no normal to go back to, not just because of COVID, but because people are like, you know what? I am okay saying whatever crazy racist thing I wanted to say, like, or misogynistic or homophobic or transphobic or whatever, you know, it's, it's all those things. Um, and that's the scary and upsetting part going forward. And then if you find someone who taps into that, as everybody has said, uh, with a little more brains behind it, then we're in real trouble. Yeah. So we'll end with Pete and Emma. Go ahead, Pete. So, I mean, kind of going to what to what um, Elizabeth just said. See, again, I, I tend to believe that that it's next to impossible to replicate what Trump did. Um, now, could is there people out there? I don't think they're going to replicate it. I think they're going to build on it. See, that's yeah, the problem. So here's the problem. People for generations prior to Trump were saying the exact same thing Trump was saying, but no, none of them got very far, you know, in, in with, within the primaries and elections because of the fact that they were saying these things. Now, Trump got where he got for one reason and one reason alone. Nobody took him seriously because he was Donald Trump. Now, if, if it had been somebody else saying that, they would have taken him very seriously and they would have gotten rid of him quickly. They would have figured out a way to get rid of him quickly. But but the Republicans were kind of like Hillary Clinton, where they were all caught in the, uh, the, the like deers in the headlights when they were when they were in the primaries because they kept saying, oh, people are not going to take this seriously. It's Donald Trump. It's the guy from The Apprentice. They'll never buy into it. But that was the reason why it was so easy to sell to, sell to people because he was made for television. They thought he was this brilliant billionaire which he wasn't which was a lie obviously we all know that now um but but that's why they all kind of just sat back and let it happen now now there all there is one person right now that they that they're touting as a possibility but and that would be tucker carlson from fox news but the problem for for him is that he's not like trump where where where, you know he can walk into this after a successful career and say well i'll do this now because i've got nothing better to do he's making a nice chunk of change right now and i don't think walking away from a 25 million dollar job to get shit on for four years or eight years is worth him doing and and hopefully over the next four years 
at some point, maybe, maybe like a, a, even a divided Congress will get to the point of changing some of the things that presidents can get away with, like like making it more of a federal issue if they go around the emoluments clause and try to and try to enrich themselves. Whereas somebody like a Tucker Carlson won't come out and say, "Well, I'm going to run now," because if he ran, he would be the version that you guys are afraid of because he's 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 a very he's a man boy, uh, very very like very kind of like. Um, non-threatening, says things in a way that maybe you'll believe it, but at the end of the day, when you really listen to him, he's horrifying with most of the stuff he says, but he's not going to do it. It's too much money coming in for him to quit that to maybe 20 years from now, if he still has, if he's still around, maybe he would do it. But, but I mean, to say that Trump, that Trump is going to create, that they're going to create the next Trump off of Trump, you have to do all the things Trump did to get to here before that. And that's, and there's just nobody in the pipeline that can do that. I mean, the, the closest they have in the Republican party right now is Tom Cotton and Tom Cotton is about as interesting as a Q-tip and, and, but he's going to say the it same is. racist shit that Trump says. It's just not going to go anywhere because nobody's going to get excited and want to go out in 50 degree weather 40 degree weather to sit and listen to tom cotton it's just not going to happen as a comedy writer though i really love to have a president named tucker because just the the wordings alone would be (laughs) fantastic for the next four years (laughs) yeah i was going to say something about about racism which is i think what trump tapped into and that's part of why all this is so frightening. I think the reason ultimately that Trump in 2016 was elected is eight years of Obama brought out every racist in America. They were all seething. They couldn't believe that a black man was in the White House. This to them was the antithesis of everything they felt in every sinew in their body. And if you think about it, that's how Trump even began getting politically prominent when he moved from entertainer into politics, this, this utter nonsense gibberish, you know, about his, uh, you know, his birth certificate and, and, and that he was born in Kenya and all that nonsense. So that, unfortunately, is, I think, the route that Trump tapped into. And the problem is it doesn't matter whether it's Tucker Carlson, it, it could be anyone, any semi-articulate person who's a little more clear thinking than Trump, a little more smooth than Trump, but who basically embraces that racism and even misogyny, which makes it incredible that women, that white women, a majority of them voted for Trump, but that's what he draws on. And so that's not going away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Final comment. Emma, you wanted to say something? Do you want to? Yeah, thanks. Uh, there's two points that I want to make towards that. Um, one is that I do think uh, that certain people who theoretically could take that spot exist, like a Tucker Carlson, an Alex Jones, a Rush Limbaugh, if he survives that long. Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably be dead. But theoretically, yeah. like if he didn't have cancer and all, like, all the shit that he's got. Uh, but like those people do exist. And they're making so much more money doing their jobs than they could ever make in the presidency. Um, why would they go to the presidency? They just like they, these are all people who are primarily in it for themselves anyway. So why would they give up so much money? Trump clearly had several issues going on, and he like from all from all observation, it seems like he never even wanted to be president in the first place. He just like had too much of an ego to turn it down, but he wanted to like raise his own profile. Um, so. Like, because he needed the money, as we know now. Uh, but, like, what, like what, what's in it for Tucker Carlson? Like, he already has the platform, he already has the power, he already, and he has the money. Why would he give all that up for the presidency? Uh, the other thing that I'll throw out there is that 
the idea of someone who has Trump's same beliefs, but uh, is maybe a little bit more polished, um, doesn't play well with people. Elizabeth, I think it was you the other day who brought up that no one gives a shit about Mike Pence and his name is so small and all the flags. Oh, he is the polished. I can't take credit, but I, I think. But thank you. Somebody on the show <laughs> said that uh, when you look at all the Trump flags, Pence's name is like this big. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody cares about Mike Pence, but he is the polished version of all those opinions. Uh, people don't like Trump just because of those opinions. It's part of it. But they also like him because he is someone who tells it like it is. Uh, most successful and several close to successful uh, Republican politicians over the past like 10, 15 years have all had a reputation for telling it like it is. And uh, a Trump has that and a Pence doesn't. And I don't think that there's any uh, politician who's even remotely prominent right now who has that tell it like it is aura uh, that has those same beliefs. Okay. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us as always. My pleasure. Um, we really enjoy having you on here. So we'll probably ask you to come back right after the inauguration. Come back every day, Paul. <laughs> or anytime you want to come on with us, you're always welcome. So I really do enjoy having you on the show as everybody else does as well. So thank you. Bye. So um, we were going to do a tribute to Alex Trebek, but we did go a little bit over time. So we will be doing it tomorrow. So that is our show for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you back here again tomorrow at 6 PM. Have a good night, everyone and stay safe. Bye. Yeah.